Joe's energy is palpably vacant. Everybody here, welcome to the Eric Andrews Lang Show. Jojo, how the fuck are you doing, man? Uh, it tired. is. Yeah, no, I'm a little tired. Why? It. It's like noon. <laughs> it could be any time. <laughs> We're in the Netherlands. No, I'm I'm pretty excited for today's episode, which is a very special one. On Jojo, blink twice if you're okay. <laughs> it's an audio medium. You can't tell what I'm doing, but I'm blinking vigorously. <laughs> So are you the, are you okay though? What's going on? Did you go to bed late? Or what happened? Yeah, I'm good. I I went to bed at a reasonable time. What's that? I think like about like twelve thirty and like one. Okay. What time did you wake up? Like six. I okay. What happened? Did you wake up during a REM cycle? What happened? We, did a dog we, knock on your door? I don't know if this is good podcasting because we really the guests we have today are great, but I did have a very odd dream. Oh really? Yeah. We're gonna get to Cookie Jar and we're gonna get to FanDuel, our presenting sponsor. But first, I need to know about this dream. This is everyone loves hearing about dreams. This is we don't we we normally do these like once a month as a performance review. You're getting it as a podcast right now. <laughs> I'm reviewing your dreams. Just a dream review. Oh, we're gonna have to bump those uh those ramp yeah, up. I see an opportunity in this dream to be a little bit more focused on our bottom line. Well, this dream, on the other hand, it was a post-apocalyptic world, but the apocalypse in question wasn't necessarily the point of the dream. But I found myself... Sub, like, it was a subplot. It was Yeah, that was a B plot. Human extinction was actually a side plot. The, Got it. Okay. the A plot was I was with a, a group of you know ragamuffins of sorts. And uh, for whatever reason, another group came to fight us. Oh. And we get into this grappling match. And it turns out that this species of human, everyone has something called a blank spot. Oh. Which is kind of like a blind spot. But when you press it on their body, uh, they lose hearing for a week. And everyone's wow. done it when they're kids, and they have a traumatic relationship to it. So it's like really something. And everyone has a, it's kind of like an Achilles heel, but it's all in a different place for everyone else. Oh, interesting. So it's the the one character who's overmatched decides to go looking for the blank spots in this fight. So he's like grappling around and like trying to, and the other people realize it, and so it takes it up a tenor. And then I woke up in my bed, and I don't know. I I'm obviously more well, not obviously, but I'm more scared of being blind than being deaf. Uh -huh. But in that moment, waking up at like 6 a.m. to the alarm, and I just kind of lay there for a bit and just thought about what that experience would be like to know that just on one touch behind my ear or something, I wouldn't be able to hear for a week and right. what that would mean. And then we came and did voiceover. This is all moments ago. Yeah. It's just happened. No, I'm still unpacking it. Right. I don't even know if you've even begun unpacking. <laughs> I mean, you woke up and caught, went to work. Oh, and you know what? I went to work in an audio medium yeah. doing voiceover. I had you in my oh. ear. I couldn't speak because my mic was off. Whoa. We were just doing adventures in golf voiceover. Yeah. So it's all a little bit thematic. Yeah. Blank spot. Blank spot. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, you could write a script. I, well, I thought, I thought about it, but then I also wondered why I didn't just call it a blind spot and then like why it wasn't that you lost sight. It was interesting that it was blank spot and lost hearing because like yeah. the, the obvious pun is well, right you, there in my dream. Yeah, but you see in audio tracks. So you're seeing a blank audio track. My dreams are actually in waveforms. <laughs> Dude, my my whoop uh my whoop sleep is in a waveform. Is it really? Yeah, like it looks like a waveform. Oh, okay. What does yeah. a good night's sleep look like? Just low and flat. Mm. You just want that shit to drop down to like mid fifties, you know? Yeah, like flatliners. Yeah, I want to die for six this hours. This episode is brought to you by <laughs> No, who do we have today? This Whoopers. is a really special one. Friday episode. No, no, no. hang on, hang on. We're oh, not no, there. we're not no. done. No, dude, because here's the thing. I'm trying to just think about, like, like that's a super specific dream. Yeah. And it's actually a weird coincidence, because last night I watched the documentary on Kurt Vonnegut. Have you read any Kurt Vonnegut? Sure. Um, what's my favorite? Cat's Cradle. Cat's Cradle's good. Um, and then Slaughterhouse-Five. Slaughterhouse-Five's great. You know, it's funny, is those books remind me of your dream. You dream in Kurt Vonnegut. The very sensory apocalyptic nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any comedy in the dream or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I mean, what you what think about it? was the funniest it? moment the, of the, the dream? Funny, the funniest moment <laughs> in the B-plot. <laughs> no, the funniest moment was for sure the moment in the fight. And I remember, because it wasn't necessarily my character. I, I wouldn't even say I was necessarily the protagonist in this dream. But there was the moment where the fight switched from just grappling to one person has decided to up the ante you know and hit the blank in this, spot in this nuclear proliferation of arms 
and hit the blank spot. Right. And then that person was completely caterwauled, completely disoriented. See, because I'm thinking about the blank spot, and, and for some reason for me, I think it's like a, probably a sexual thing too. Like some people are like, you want me to touch that blank spot? I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, being strangled in sex, you know? Have yeah, you ever, I mean, maybe I, I, I'm not asking I you don't, directly. I don't think but. you're asking me, like, very specifically. <laughs> we need an HR consultant. If you're around yeah. and you can call us in, we'll... Nah, but we'll... this is the writer's room. Once you shut that door, there's no HR. But, like, you know, I think it's like, imagine the blank spot. You know, it's like it's like someone gets near touching it, and you're yeah. like, oh, my God, this could be... And then, oh, they don't touch it. I think there's a whole genre <laughs> of... But not even necessarily sexual, but activities where you get close to a thing. Like, you know the puffer fish thing in Japan? Uh, yeah, they get real big before they fight or before they fuck. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about the, the eating it, the fugu. Oh, you can eat it. If you eat pufferfish, is is, de- is is deadly Pass. poisonous. Oh, you die. You die. Yeah, not farm raised isn't, but they they become poisonous from kind of like Komodo dragon. Wow, it's like roulette. Eating the is exactly. it farm raised or is it not? Yeah, and and traditionally in Japan, it was a delicacy to eat uh, thin slivers of the fugu or puffer fish that had the tetrodotoxin that mm. was a neurotoxin and then you'd eat some of it and it would numb you but really? if you ate too much of it you would die is that it's like about how close you could get is that like the origin of robo tripping <laughs> I, I won't be on record yeah. <laughs> that's the origin of robo you ever had too much robotoxin can you imagine being our wonderful <laughs> guests and turning on this episode to hearing it and they're Dude, you know. sam and tom are like gonna love this that's intro. true yeah we had a great time with them, and thank you for bringing me back on topic. Um, we had a great time in uh, Scotland over here, and we we had a great talk with uh, Sam and Tom. We didn't we didn't talk with Bruce. Bruce was Bruce wasn't there. You talked to Bruce, and you can check that out on their podcast. Oh yeah, channel. that's what we did. Is is we're also we also did a podcast on their channel, Cookie Jar Golf. Um, we talk about the origin of Cookie Jar. It has to do with Tiger Woods. Spoiler alert. And uh, yeah, it's they they say it's a British take on the world affairs of golf. Uh, yeah, we spoke with Sam and Tom, and basically, it's awesome. So uh, stay tuned on Monday for your next episode. Ooh, we got Iona Steven coming up next week. Yeah, it's a real special treat. And when you went on their podcast, uh, they reached out to me earlier and like, oh, we'd love to have Eric on, and we do this segment called an Eclectic 18. Oh, my God. Where you have to come up with 18 holes from different golf courses to yeah. make your own golf course. And apparently, people go on their show a fair amount and do this and do a lot of prep work. They, they plan it out. They come in with a list. Yeah, we... I, for some reason, I think I was unaware of the level of difficulty of this process. So I went in uh, no plan. Well, you, and, and I would say you kind of, you killed it. Like it would, thank you. They liked it. I gave him 19 holes. Yeah. You were like an extra overachiever. <laughs> what was the 19th hole? Oh, it was Iona. Yeah. It was the Isle of Iona. That was badass. But check in their podcast for that. And that was actually really fun. Yeah. It was, yeah, a, it, it was it, a lot of fun. We yeah. should do it, but I don't know. We should do it. We should bring someone who would be the best person to do it with. Tom Doak. Yeah. That'd be nasty. I don't even know if he would he wouldn't even allow it. He'd be like un he'd be like not allowed. I will not I will not engage on this level. He's like there are merely too many holes. He's like I have orphans all over the planet. I can't choose a bus full. Wow, kill you. I darlings. need boats full. Yeah. He's like not even 10 Titans can hold all my favorite holes. Build me an ark. <laughs> Dude, Tom is the shepherd of golf. He's like two by two, man. <laughs> Anyway, FanDuel, y'all, thank you to FanDuel for making uh, this Scotland content possible. They are, in case you didn't know, the official PGA Tour sportsbook. FanDuel sportsbook uh, every week, this week, and every, and every, uh, and there is no week where you cannot use FanDuel sportsbook to bet on the PGA Tour. Uh, this week, we've got the 2022 Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is the second to last event of the regular season. Heading into the weekend tomorrow. Can you tell I'm reading a script? Yeah, lots of, lots of storylines. <laughs> I wouldn't say reading it. It's more so picking words. I'm ingesting it. Yeah, I don't know what the Rocket Mortgage Classic is. But ultimately, we're heading into the weekend tomorrow, and you can live bet on the round. Yeah, and uh, we're still remember, got your Didn't eyes Ricky on. win the Rocket Mortgage Classic? Ricky Fowler? I don't know if he won, but he. I think he's a. he works for them. He's an actor for them. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sponsor. Does it's, he pay them? It's a pretty recent tour event. <laughs> Cameron Davis is the... He uh, pays them to wear the logo. You know how that works, right? No. How do, what when, do you mean? He, did you you're just a golfer, say he pays them? Yeah, when you're a golfer and you're wearing someone's logo, you have to pay them for it. You have to license them. Oh, you're doing that so thing where you t- just say things. Tiger <laughs> Tiger paid Nike like a billion dollars to wear the Nike logo. How much did Tiger pay for Monster? It's crazy. Monster, that was a little bit less. That was like a package Because um, he actually owns it. 
He is monster. He, he is, makes the. He is said monster. He started the company. Um, he if, makes the drink. He won't tell you how or what it is. But, if you're an uh, RGC him member, and Charlie, they're two monsters just running around Jupiter. It's a little, a little baby monster. If you're an RGC member and a new customer, you can bet the tour with a no sweat first bet. If you don't win, you get up to one thousand dollars back. You know how else you don't sweat? If you, if you drink, if you create a energy drink and then sell it. Don't don't That's don't, a good way don't give to free sweat. sponsor to Monster. Dude, beverages are a big business apparently. I heard it's one of the hardest businesses to get into. Yeah. Like if we made an RGC sports drink. Oh my god, what would you call it? I'm just thinking Bogey Bernays. I I, I couldn't think of anything that yes. went after Bogey. Yeah, yeah. Why do all the? It's Bogey Birdie. It's just hard to come up with a different. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe it's called. Maybe it would be called like. Um, yeah, bunker sauce. Bunker sauce. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, coming soon. It's got some exfoliant got for, some your, sand for your stomach. <laughs> you're like, I'm like, mm, I wouldn't chew it. You're going to grind your teeth out. Anyway, why I love betting on FanDuel. It's got great promotions every day. Safe and secure app. I've used it. And you can get paid fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's numero uno sportsbook. To be clear, I said number one sportsbook. That's a universal language. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign in using the promo code RGC to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Thank you to FanDuel Sportsbook, the official betting operator, operator of the PGA Tour. It rhymes. Anyway, promo code RGC, on to Sam and Tom. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, Sam and Tom, first time here. Pleasure. Thank you, you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. You, we, before we cookie jar golf, we're going to get into this. You guys make content. You have a podcast. You love golf. There's yeah, a lot. Nerds. There's a lot. You're nerds. That's it. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. I was on your podcast yesterday, so I don't know if this is going to sync up. But uh, if you want to hear more of the story about kind of, well, I guess actually your podcast has more of the story about yeah. my eclectic eighteen. Yeah, which is something you guys do a lot. We do a little, little bit. bit a yeah. little bit. Something we started in January, actually. That one. So, funnily enough, all 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 things in this. Maybe it's the same for you. I found that the the podcast is great because it's an education in and of itself. So we did a podcast, I want to think maybe in November uh, with a guy called Simon Holt who's staying here this week. And he mentioned this exercise, the Eclectic AT. And I was like, wow, that's a great idea. And then a friend of ours put the idea in our head of saying, well, why don't you do this as guest episodes? So once we'd stolen both of those ideas off people we knew, <laughs> then you, you had go. one good idea. And then we had something to stand behind. Yeah. And, so and then it was, it was your idea. Work. It was an original idea. Exactly. Yeah, once you take two stolen things and put them together, they're not stolen anymore. Exactly. exactly. It's like a double negative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He's played all of the best golf courses in the world, I guess. Yeah, objectively, them, yeah. Which is sort of strange. Isn't that. Do, do you. It, you must be close. Uh, no. I'm all, You've got I'm, to well, really chase it, haven't I guess you? And I, I could yeah. say no, but I'm also at like 38 or something, which is a lot. I obviously would have thought it was more. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I play a lot of courses just outside the bubble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 101. Yeah. <laughs> Between 101 and 999, yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my sweet spot. It's not, <laughs> I mean, for us, it's not really about the rankings, though, so much sure. or anything. It's like, I guess, you know, we talked about this a lot yesterday, and, you know, across audience or across everyone's probably listened to the Eclectic 18. But, you know, America, that whole thing with public access golf versus private is just mm. so stark. In the UK, they're all roughly the same model. Sure, yeah. there's a few exceptions. So for us, club culture is pretty key because I think that's like the big identity you get is you, you get out of the car at maybe a, a Muirfield and it's just a totally different experience to getting out of the car at a Cleve Hill. Right. And I've always said, you know, ever since I've been seven years old playing this game, that the best moment in golf is when you get out of the car at a golf club you've never played before mm. because it smells different. The sound of the seagulls is different. You go into the, the locker room, there's a different scent in the air, all that kind of great stuff. So the more and more we've done with Cookie Jar, it's been like, well, how do we try and bring that to life? And we're lucky with Tom's video talents to kind of make some stories of golf clubs. Yeah, you guys and make stuff. some beautiful content. That's Thank very you. Kind. Yeah, I mean, I would take credit for you that did, as well. But if, to. if Tom wasn't here to check me, I probably would have done. S Sam takes a lot of credit. Tom, you do a lot of the hard work here, though. I'm basically the engine, and and Sam is the the guy who takes the. He's the he's the, he's the public. Please say Sam part. is the exhaust. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the. Uh, 
he's the public facing side of it and we have one more Bruce who was obviously on the pod with you yesterday that cool, yeah. uh, likes to audit actually Bruce he's, is he's, good he's, he yeah, yeah, Bruce runs our audit team just, what does that mean you've got to make sure things are just, correct just content's got to be finances what does no, that mean? no 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 just, like, <laughs> just make sure that we're behaving what ourselves it's, doing, it's an internal joke oh it's a joke oh you guys are about to get cancelled yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, well, he's got that power. Yeah. You're very un-PC. Yeah, yeah. You we, say a lot of things that shouldn't be said. I wouldn't say with that edgy. Like what? We, probably too edgy is the problem. Oh, really? I think, we're, we're, I think we are back. actually. Uh, yeah, it's another sort of thing. You know, it's like you can have revolution for revolution's sake, can't you? But like for us, it's actually pretty steady stuff. Like I said, I'm a bit of a traditionalist at heart. You know, yeah, there's mean? things. Well, yeah. you know, I think there's aspects to club culture in Britain that I think is great okay, you probably wouldn't by design have long socks at certain golf clubs, but the clubs that have them today, let them rock it. You know, if Muirfield don't fancy saying, well, don't don't play golf in a hoodie, that's their prerogative. And there's well, loads of places where you can. So I actually don't mind those rules. I, mean, I used to hate them. Yeah. But now I kind of like it. It's like, oh yeah, these guys are fucking weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. They, they're going to make me wear a weird pair of socks. Like it's cultural. Maybe it's okay. As long as it doesn't border on like... Um, as long as it's kind of equally observed things where it's like, okay, yeah, everyone can't wear a hoodie. It's like, okay. Yeah. like, Well, I'll give you an example, right? Our club is Blackwell. It's in the Midlands, 1893. Um, there's a spike bar, which is essentially attached to the course. And as you go past the ninth to the 10th, you cross it. So you go into the clubhouse, like as your halfway house. Now in this spike bar, you can have a sandwich and you can eat a sandwich, which has comes with crisps, which is potato chips for you guys. Um, you can't buy a pack of potato chips. Neither can you buy nuts because they don't sell them, but they mm. do come with a sandwich. But if you wanted chips, yeah. which requires a fork, you need to go into a different room. You have to go into a different room. You can't it's just stupid, it requires a but it's yeah. so quirky and so it has been there forever. Yeah. But it's like, it's just, it is what it is. It's cool. And that's yeah. the bit that I think, for me, that's the bit that you have to capture in golf travel. But, you know, your stuff's so out there because you go to so many different, like really off the wall places, right? Yeah. But for us, people who are maybe looking at going, I want to go to this region or these different courses, those little idiosyncrasies for me is what defines golf travel. Right. Whereas so many people out there look at rankings and that guides where they go and it's like point and shoot. I've got to go and play the best five courses in that state or I've got to go and play these three courses. And it's like, this is not an absolute science here. You've got to find stuff that resonates with you personally because I think we'd all agree different courses all strike a chord with us differently, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I think it's interesting because, like, you know, we're, when you were talking to Sam Tom about the like making me think about like, um, it's, it's almost absurd. Like you were saying, like it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. It's, it's like, those absurdities which are interesting. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's almost like the more that you allow like the ridiculousness of it all, and you're like, oh wow, yeah, we're still here. This is still happening. Like, yeah. okay, you know, what I mean, like. Uh, but it's lovable. Like, yeah. you, one of the things, and again, you know, to sort of, you know, flag with you, Eclectic 18, first, first hole number you put down, fourth hole at Western Gales. Ah, sure, yeah. Now, Western Gales has, I think, one of the most lovable idiosyncrasies you'll ever get. Tell me. The members at Western Gales must arrive wearing a jacket and tie. Oh, they don't interesting. Need, they don't need that. to go into the clubhouse to eat, you know, in jacket and tie. They can go out and play golf. That's no problems. They could go up and just literally practice putting wearing their golf clothing. But then when they drive their car out of the club, they must do so wearing jacket and tie. Wait, from the clubhouse to the car, they have to wear a jacket and tie? Yeah, correct. To so arrive you must, and leave. To, you must That's arrive totally in a fucked. jacket and tie. <laughs> it's mental. If I had it's known that, I would never put it on my... Can I edit my Eclectic 18? That's, that the, was, that's, that's a dumb rule. It's dumb. It's I didn't dumb, wear a jacket. Oh, but only the members, not the guests? It's only the members. Only the members. That's but super annoying. It's ridiculous. Can I just, can I, do you mind if I just tell you a story? I want to hear what you yeah, guys think. Yeah, go for it. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, no, no, I just want to tell you a story. I, I would never normally do this on no, my show. Good. This is about you. No, it's my not. show it's about you. I don't know. It's a discussion. But since you're talking about a jacket and tie, I just have to tell you the story because you guys will probably laugh about it. So I was at Royal St. George's and there was an event and we had the, go to this event and I didn't know that you had to wear a tie <laughs> but I have a jacket and I have a blazer and a, you know a collared shirt and everything and uh and I realized I walk up and I and I walk in and I realize everyone's wearing a tie and I was like oh my god this is that thing where I need a tie so I dip into the locker room of Royal St. George's and I'm like I'll find a tie in here that's acceptable right acceptable right I can't find a tie i'm looking everywhere i'm trying to and all the lockers are locked which is strange too i'm like why aren't the lockers mm. open and i finally find a tie like hanging above like the washing machine and it's kind of dirty but whatever i put it on i tie it up i walk into the event and it's probably about a hundred people 
mostly dudes wearing ties that all look different from mine. <laughs> <laughs> my tie looks different. And I don't think much of it because my tie is just a pattern. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, it doesn't say anything on it. And people are like, kind of like looking at me and then they're glancing at the tie and then they're looking back at me and I'm like, this tie is grabbing some weird sort of attention, you know? <laughs> it's a tie on Muirfield or something. <laughs> well, I didn't realize at the time that ties are a way of, you know, defining and, and, and exposing your what you're a member of. Yeah. yeah. And I finally meet my host and he goes, where'd you get that tie? <laughs> and I was like, I found it in the locker room. What's up? And he's like, that's the tie to our um, main rival, uh, uh, Prince's. You know, <laughs> no apparently way. Prince's and Royal St. George's are kind of rival clubs. And so anyway, I, I, it wasn't a big deal, but it was definitely like, I didn't realize what I had done. I think anyway. that, is that not a thing in, in I don't think that is, yeah. No. I, no, I, no, I wouldn't like, say no. rivalry would be the right no, word. No. I'd say that kindred spirit. Jacket and tie is very uncommon in the United States. And they don't, yeah. have, so they don't have club ties or anything like that? No. But they're not. They might, but they don't, they don't make their way into the, like, you know, yeah. the sphere culturally of the club. Like so, you, so if an American, like, was going to wear something to to identify their their club you know what what typically do they do they wear a hat just hats yeah or a bag tag or a ba a golf bag yeah you know what i mean it's more like it's more like golf gear yeah it would be more like functional things merchandise is such a strange one, isn't it because you can i think there's a there's an element to representing logos in different parts of what you do somewhere you would only have so like a tie in britain you would only really wear a club tie for a club that you're a member of you wore if you wore another club tie that you're not a member of, it would be a really it would be a really bizarre thing yeah. to do. Tell no, me more but you're about an exception. Too. Like what you've done there is great. You There's actually no done the right thing. If you, you went in without a tie, that would be no tie would be worse yeah, than oh, the wrong tie. Yeah, oh, yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they I, I was three considering heads. toilet paper for a while. I was like, I could fashion a tie. <laughs> yeah. well, you could do a cravat because that also passes in Britain as a tie. So you could do a cravat and then an open neck shirt. Out of paper towel, or you could also do a polo neck, like a turtleneck. Like that's oh, also fine a with turtleneck a, that's also polo. acceptable under, the same under a blazer thing, typically it just needs to be something that touches your neck really tightly could it be a dog collar all i just don't want to see is that adam's apple as soon as that's out there oh, really? anyway, we're, we're joking here we're joking and we're being sarcastic and you know you know you guys are, we're not thing. that stuck up but you would yeah. you would wear certain things that are like part of the club that you want to represent but yeah. then there's so much other stuff where it's like bag tags and stuff where it's like places you collect yeah and it's just a weird sport like if we played badminton or tennis or whatever I don't think we would all be rocking around in stash from different tennis clubs we've gone and played a game at. So there's this weird thing. Yeah, well, there's no culture there, right? Yeah. In golf, there's a culture of the club. Yeah, exactly. Culture club. It's also a bit of bragging, isn't it? It's like you want to tell people you go somewhere cool. You want to tell people you've been somewhere cool. Yeah, you ever play Logo Bingo? Yeah. You ever we've do got that? it on our website. We've actually got like a one to 50 job where you can go and try and complete it. And some of the oh, really? Nails. At an event? They're mainly American ones, yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe that'd be a good... We could do... Uh, we could play Logo Bingo at, uh, at the golf... There's not a lot of logos, actually. The logos show up at the Masters or at like... Really? You know yeah. what I mean? That's, that's a big Logo Bingo. For the people who are listening that don't know, can you explain what Logo Bingo is? Well, I think, I think Logo Bingo is this sort of thing where you look at people you don't know at all. Yeah. And you like scan for me like you scan left breast typically first yeah then you look at hat then you look at any sort of stuff belts another good belt. place and you'll spot stuff and you'll see things like you talked about maidstone in your eclectic 18 yeah. you'd be like there's the whale 1891 like, maidstone over there and you're walking around obviously we should say we're at the 150th open we're in and St. you spot Andrews. things and you'd be like oh yeah that's a that's a cypress point thing and it's just a weird thing like it's so weird and odd and it none of it's even remotely rational but it's a culture that seems to perpetuate things like i'm quite proud of our little i was actually gonna bring up the cookie jar logo here you guys are both wearing matching pink polos it's not intentional you're kidding me i mean we have we have a lot of disagreements already in the last 15 minutes you've disagreed on three things it's it's primarily how we operate it's just to argue and work it out it's kind of like a isometric push pull kind of thing yeah do you think it's easier you're 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 a dictator it's fine you can just like what we have what we have is we have to try a dictator no but you are the you are the leader of your pack right so does that work easier like do you because what's hard for us sometimes is that we're a we're a tripod and then that's hard because you always have this two and three thing that goes on. Yeah. And we all have, I think it's fair to say, yeah, Tom's quite to new to decisions. the game, whereas I've oh, played it? it since I'm a kid. And Bruce Oh, is, new to the golf game. Yeah. yeah. But you all started Cookie Jar on the same day. Yeah. 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 January okay. 2020, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, whereas, you know, kind of you lead the ship and you live and die by the decision. So I don't know. It's like, is, it, do you, is that wrong? Do you, not, do you prefer have more collaboration and 
Or I suspect you're a lone wolf, but it's just a hunch. No, I mean, I think... Well, Jojo, Jojo's would you like just to, giving us a stare. You got a mic actually. over there? Oh, Jojo doesn't even have a mic. I guess that tells you what the story is. Here. <laughs> no, he would normally have a mic. What would you say, Jojo? Are you rather a, more, would you rather just comes, paddle your own canoe in. is what I mean? Not a dictator. That makes yeah. you sound like an ass. Here we go. I would say that the only the only real thing I would say here for fear of losing my job <laughs> would, <laughs> dictator. Would, dictator. Would, be honest. would be that Eric is very persuasive and he's really, really good at convincing you that his idea is the best idea. So he's usually right, actually most of the time right. Um, so he's more of a leader, an inspirational leader rather than a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> like a, ty- no, like a, no, but I'd, I would honestly say, you know, he, he's, He's very charismatic and he's very he's very good at making a persuasive argument about why we should be doing things a particular way. But he, he prefers, and what most people don't know about Eric is he never wanted to be in front of a camera. He never wanted to do any of this uh, in the way that it panned out. So he, he prefers collaboration, um, but it's hard. That's yeah. interesting take. Do, is that right? So you Thanks, didn't... Jojo, I feel so seen right now. Really Being like a doing like so many podcasts where we don't actually go on many podcasts, I feel like I want to ask more questions. To you, but you do you feel like you don't really want to be that much in front of the camera? Then you're more of a you'd rather almost be a bit more in the backdrop or sort of like bring well, other like, things to the front. It's like most things. Like, why do you play golf? Ah, I don't well, know. You play for a reason. Yeah, question. like I like that. You don't play to play. No, like we talked about it yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, you the could, intrinsic the thing and the masturbation feels good, thing, which is a great analogy. So, so I do like the intrinsic feeling of hitting a golf ball. Like we, I think we all do. But for me, I've always said, that I think the game is much bigger than golf itself. You know, it's like the yeah. game for me is like the camaraderie. It's the few drinks afterwards. It's mm-hmm. the culture. It's meeting people for the first time. It's playing with long friends, having fun on the course. And for me, all of that together packaged up with travel and stuff mm. it's like there's nothing else quite like it i could play 36 holes a day and i would i, I just would never bore of it like i could even if it was like the same course every day or whatever like same, absolutely yeah. I, I, just any any golf i think tom Coyne made a really good point the once when we spoke to him he was like golf's like pizza even when it's bad it's still good you know <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> and it's like there's just nothing better to me so it's really hard. Like, I don't know. You're newer to it. Like you, you love it at a, an incredibly deep level as well, right, Tom? Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I'm fairly similar to you in that I came to it as I was 28 when I started. Mm, so, cool. Same here. So really late in, really. And to be honest, I had this. Uh, I went out with a mate uh, who convinced me to go out. I convinced I didn't want to go and play golf. I thought it was the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. So I, I really didn't want to go. I went and I hit a few shots, and he hit that one good shot. That kind of like, oh yeah, I could probably do this. But then most of it was complete shit. And then I had this this goal that I wanted to achieve, which was I want to be able to get around a golf course without embarrassing myself. Mm-hmm. Now, that was eight years ago, and I still don't think I can do that. I think I embarrass myself almost every time I go out and play golf. So it's like... You're it's, lucky. Only it, once? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least once. And I'm just trying to, to, to get that round in, which is where you can get around a golf course and not feel like someone's looking at you thinking, Christ, this guy yeah. is an idiot. Yeah. So, well, the reason I ask that is because like, you know, for me, like you asked about being on camera, do I, do I want to be or not want to be on camera? I mean, neither. Right. Um, I, I, for me, that is just a means, right? Just like the way golf is a means to experience the trappings of golf, right? Or, or for whatever reason, anyone decides to play the game. It's like, there's, there's something greater than cause, cause otherwise you would be satisfied like hitting a stick. Hmm. But until the game became the modern game, it's like, oh, wow, like it's like I can measure my personal thing. Like there's a lot of reasons that we talked about this. But yeah, for me, I just think of being on camera is is, is uh, it's just a tool yeah. to, to create something that I really enjoy, which I love collaborating. Um, and yeah, I mean, to some extent, like, you know, it's it's not I would rather to go back to like the question that we were talking to Jojo about, which is like, you know, do I kind of control everything to a minute degree? I would say. I would, I would really rather not do that. And I don't think I do. I think what I really try to do is say, Hey, here's, here's what good looks like or feels like, or smells like, right? Good, good is, um, you know, that the video is this long and it, and it entertains someone. Maybe there's like some educational moments. Maybe there's like an inspiring moment, you know, or like two of the three. Um, good is that here's the result that we're kind of looking for, you know, Mm. um, good. It doesn't, it costs this much or less, or like, you know, we, we, you know what I mean? Like, and then they are the ability, they're such creative people. Right? And so I think that's one of the, 
interesting things about our job. There's a lot of easier ways to make money out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of easier ways to make way more money than, than you know, you make as a creative. But I just love these problems. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I think that was, you know, certainly with the filming side, like, you know, we're very lucky at Tom's, you know, top videographer in his trade, but doesn't do anything to do with golf. And then we came out of pandemic and it was like, we've got to start using Tom's film skills, right? And it was like, mm. well, you know, we've always felt that there's too much of this stuff. There's too many talking heads to camera and stuff in YouTube golf. So for, for us anyway, the star of the show is always the golf course. Mm. You know, we're here and obviously the tour golf's great, but the tour golf is like a slither. Like it's not even a slither of the game again. So tell me more about that. Why, why do you say that? Cause I, I really feel you on that. And we're obviously sitting in the shadow of the, you know, grandstand well, here behind the, you know, golf place. Did, yeah, there's just so much, isn't there, wrapped up in and of professional golf. And I just don't think that's, I that's think just not the game golf, we're playing. You know, it's everything. Professional everything else golf there. is as far away now as it's ever been from amateur golf. Right. So they hit the ball further. They make more money. They travel more. Golf isn't. You know, these guys are going out there and shooting 68. On, I'm telling you, I've walked it. The hardest golf course on the planet. That that thing is rock hard. And they go around, you know, Cameron Young shot at 64 today or something. It's like, that's not golf. The thing that props up the industry is the millions and millions of people that go to their local golf clubs and pay whatever the subs are so they can go out with their mates and convince their wives that rounds take six hours and really take, they take three and they just go boozing for three hours. And that's what golf is. And the yeah. kids that want to come through and play and all the, the programs that are going on. Without that stuff, there isn't a professional game. There's no money to drive it. There's no interest in it. Oh, you think one comes before the other? I think the, it's propped up by by the amateur game and the people that... Because yeah. without it, you don't you don't watch it. You don't watch the pro game. There's no money in it. And they, we wouldn't have what we have now. This is why Grow the Game is such a just a nonsense topic. Because Yeah, you didn't like that yesterday. I didn't because it, the, the problem is it assumes that more is or more is always better or bigger is always better you know and it's just a load of bs right i think i'm listening you know, I'm, I'm identifying I, I think so okay i i personally wish more people played golf but if more people played a certain type of golf and they just you know, everything else was worse as a result then have we achieved anything i don't know maybe we've just diluted the game and just ex and just exposed more people to it and also the other thing is it's chicken and egg so that assumes that the PGA Tour is the is the gateway drug to play golf. I firmly believe that's not the case. I was seven when I started playing golf. My parents were the gateway drug to play golf. They both played it. I spent pretty much every summer for 10 years chipping around greens till it was dark, playing mates for cans of Coca-Cola and chocolate bars and stuff like that. For me, that's what's grown the game. It's not, it's not necessarily you know kids that are eight years of age or you know 30 years of age for that matter watching the pga tour and go right i'm going to go and grind my ass off down a range now and then going to go play a six hour municipal round so i think we just got to be really careful with you know growing the game to what extent it's like it's just we you know we could do anything with a game of golf if we wanted to but why are we trying to achieve that i think mm -hmm. i'd rather make golf better i'd rather that was the goal like i'd rather we saw more five thousand yard golf courses I'd rather pace of play was a bigger thing. And we just, because then the product is better that people enjoy. And that's yeah. ultimately what matters. So you can watch an eight hour broadcast and watch them shoot 64 or whatever. But, you know, I enjoy playing golf and therefore let's make that product better for people. Let's make courses more interesting. Let's make them more provocative. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's find a way of more, having more personality. I think the game's getting better, but, you know, I look at the 80s, the 90s and stuff and it's, there was this massive homogenization of golf courses. We've got to make everything penal. We've got to bring the fairway width in. It's got to be about how well you can execute a shot. You know, everything started to look and feel really similar because things started getting a little bit more commercial. And I think one thing that's coming through, and maybe it's all this sort of social media world that we live in now with, you know, people like yourself or No Lang Up or Andy Johnson or whatever, whoever you are, you know, it's kind of almost creating these miniature subcultures and communities that people can identify with without needing to be in a close location with each other. And I think that's creating more breadth. I think that's kind of giving people things they could buy into. Like you could be a massive gearhead and just be totally into club technology and you're going to find a whole thing that is going to be your thing. You could be all about community or going and playing in remote locations. There's loads out there. But I just think the goals the goal can't be just to grow the game. Like I just think that's nonsense. Yeah. I maybe I was wrong. Rant over and I'm sorry. <laughs> Rant complete. 
Um, <laughs> let's go into non-ranting mode. Tom, any uh, care to comment? <laughs> no, I just I just wind him up and he goes for it, to be honest with you. But it is, I mean, I, I'm of a similar mindset in a way of, I don't, I don't mind the idea of making things bigger and growing the game, but it's, it's got to grow it with a, with an aim in mind. And it seems like it's aimless. I think grow the game is just more people, but more people without more infrastructure yeah. is longer yeah. rounds. It's, it's people have 10 year waiting lists to get into clubs. It's yeah. It, there just needs to be a, a, a more targeted end goal. Well, what's interesting is like grow the game is just too fucking vague, mm. right? Like was grow, grow doesn't necessarily mean numbers. Like if I, I'm not going to get any larger in my life, I'm not going to, I'm not going to develop more of me, right? At my, you know what I mean? Like the only thing that's going to grow is like my hair, my fingernails and my state of mind. Not my hair. So it's like kind of like, maybe it's more like, by the way, mm. I don't like the phrase mainly because the people that utter the phrase are just massive corporations <laughs> yeah, of that are, have bees in front of their yearly revenue. And you're just like, why do I fucking care about you? Mm. And that's why I really don't really care too much about the pro game. Um, I'm fascinated by people who um, mostly grew up on a public course and found that they were really good at this thing and then literally devoted not just 10,000 hours, but hundreds of thousands of hours. And now they're hoisting trophies on TV. I think that's super cool, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that as much. And I think growing the game certainly is a little bit unspecific because I think you want to grow the game, but you just have a way of wording it that suits you and suits like the cookie jar. Community. And the expectations of the people that write that stuff as well then becomes you know, everything else is a derivative of that. So it's like, well, everything should mean that you go and buy a new set of clubs when you start playing the game and you need to have a new pair of shoes and you need to have a country club membership or whatever. You know, golf's better when it's, you know, I agree, it should be more public access golf. I certainly think that's the case in America and there needs yeah. to be a better way of finding, you know, making golf better for that. But, you know, Dan Davis, you're doing the breakfast show here with him at the Sounder Club HQ every day through the Open, through the 150th. And, you know, Dan moved out to a place in Devon, rural part was in London. And we went down for the opening of what's called RNGC, which is a, he put a sort of a flippant royal title on, but Norton, the village, and he built a 500 yard golf course in his garden. And he laid on an amazing invitation. It must've taken him crazy amount of hours just to build that day. But it also took him 11 months to build that golf course in his garden, just to bring 50 or 60 of his mates down there yeah. to have a day. And you're like, yeah, wow. That's golf. That's that's like someone who just loves the game at the most kind of like intimate level and will just do anything just to create a magical day. And it's like we went down there and I remember getting in the car and thinking it was a weird it was a weird couple it. of days for us because we went to Centurion to the live event. Yeah, because we just wanted to check it out. We wanted to know what it was all about. We went down there. We watched it. We left, and the very next day we went to this 500 yard golf course and some guys apple orchard that he'd spent the best part of a year making and everyone was dressed as their sporting heroes you have got merv hughes and eddie the eagle Eagle and all sorts of people dressed up like like maniacs playing with pretty much exclusively a 60 or 54 degree wedge and about ten thousand balls i mean it's a it's a nine hole there's no par but there's a nine holes it all adds up to 500 yards and the course record is like 36 or something set by a plus two handicapper because it's absolutely <laughs> disgustingly <laughs> solid. Yeah. It's just like the hardest little short course thing in the world because he's built these greens and there's like maybe a meter of first cut. And then the rest of it is just like reeds up to your hip. So if you go in there, you've basically like it's Indiana Jones wouldn't go in there. You've got to try and get in there and get your ball out somehow. It's just absolutely right. And the great thing is, are there snakes in there? The he doesn't like snakes. We don't, no, uh, snakes, we don't get snakes. No here, snakes. So we're no, right. there's, no snakes. there's a lot of snakes in Texas. Yeah, that's that's got a shit. Yeah, Dan's an interesting guy. He definitely, I love, I love his, I love his take. I love his energy. What have you guys learned from podcasting? How many episodes have you done? It takes an incredible amount of commitment. It's <laughs> bloody hard. Yeah. Right. We are a hundred and forty-three in. That's a fucking lot. Yeah. And um, we've done it, to be fair, we've done like six of those this week because I mean, we're trying to really shorten them down, do sort of every day, 20 minutes, and it's kind of live from St. Andrews and it's kind of a feel about yeah. just the atmosphere and the vibe. It's never really about the golf. We talked a little bit about um, 
we talked a clip about the 18 greatest shots ever and, and their platform. We talked about the atmosphere and things like that. So there's been a few recently, but 140 odd. And it's, um, yeah, it's hard. Like I think when we started, it, it was the average length or the duration of a podcast was seven episodes mm. because people understand, you know, the first, they start a few, few pods and they're like, oh, this is cool. I'm a podcaster. And then you realize after about six or seven episodes that you're literally talking to an empty room. And you've got no listeners, and you're like, "Oh, this is." I'm just, I'm just. We're just talking. When you started, them. nobody was listening. You mean no. nobody was downloading? Well, how well, do no they one know knew us? How would they find us? You know, it's like so you we and had also no platform. and you start like this is why I say about iteration. Like we started loving the game, but not really knowing what we're going to do with the podcast. So you just start talking about stuff. Then you feel what resonates a little bit. So it's less about us having a predetermined idea about what we want to talk about in the podcast, but constantly learning and feeling like. You've got think you really you know what builds a connection, right? And it's nice, you know. There, there is, you know, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a sense of pride that you know lots of people listen to our podcast and we go to places and they're like, oh, you guys from Cookie Jar, yeah, oh, really yeah. like what you do. And someone pulls up a niche reference or repeats our like intro theme to your stuff, and it's like, oh, that's quite cool. So, you know, what were you doing before this, Sam? Uh, financial services. And what about you, Tom? I'm a wedding videographer. And what about Bruce? He's he's just uh, qualified as a solicitor. And he's doing what does his, that mean? He's a lawyer. Lawyer. Okay. In the United States, that means like someone is annoying. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you've met him. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, he's kind of annoying. Yeah, that's why. That's why <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, wait, so, okay. So all of you guys came from different industries. Yeah, like yeah non-media. None of us are media. No, no media. Well, I mean, well, you know, um, weddings. But, like, but you're a filmmaker, but you're not media. <laughs> but no, no one in the right? golf industry, right? No. Yeah. And so now it's been a little bit more than two years. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. You, built, you built quite a name for yourselves. You know, we, we got a lot of friends in common. Yeah. Right? What, what, it, like, like that's, that's a fucking big deal. And now do you have a job still or no? Yeah, we all still do. Our, you do? Yes. Full time jobs. You still do the wedding and you still do the. Yeah, financial services. Okay. Is that, do you want that to change or is this going to remain? I do, but I think you can, you've always got to be really careful. I always say you can never put the toothpaste back in a tube. And I, I think we always, <laughs> you know, I, I struggle could, with this I, idea yeah, of like, one having to make a seismic jump. That's why everything is quite gradual. Nothing's ever felt like we've tried to be completely revolutionary stuff. Yeah. Everything's just felt like everything's on a steady yeah. incline. We've also made some... There's some, never any step change, you know? Yeah, we've yeah. also made some decisions which we could have we could have changed, you know, quite early in, in terms of, say, podcast advertising. So we could have gone with a sponsor early on and we've always kind of Shady steered away who? from it. Saudi Golf? Pardon? Saudi no, golf. I think in general, no, 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 it's always opportunity. It's always difficult. I think you know, like it's fair to say. I, mean, like, I don't know. If Saudi golf want to come on board and throw like a hundred million at us, we'll take it. I mean, high nine I'd figures. Sell out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, sell I'll out. take high nine <laughs> figures right now. You need That's to cut out whatever's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, yeah. So, uh, but, but maybe yeah, you could have taken the sponsor on early, but why didn't you or something? Well, we kind of made a conscious decision that we we thought, perhaps incorrectly, but kind of thought like it would it would affect the way our listeners listen to the podcast. And if we rolled in with five minutes of advertising beforehand, it would seem disingenuous. Mm. And we thought we made decisions that were like, well, we're not going to go down that route. We're just going to keep the podcast clean. I'd say it's more than and that, that though, well, Tom. I mean, so to disagree. Well, I, I, yeah, I, go ahead, Sam. I, I, I would actually say it's a little bit more than that. I think you'll know from building this stuff that you're finally balanced because you genuinely building stuff that you really care for your listeners and the stuff that you want to provide and you don't want yeah. to jeopardize that experience. So you always feel like you're walking that high wire. But for me at least, Cookie Jar is something I absolutely love doing. Like the podcast, going to making the films, going visiting places, writing an article, going hosting an event, doing, doing a community event or whatever. They're amazing things. And I worry sometimes that if it became your job, you'd look at it so differently because you'd have to make maybe decisions slightly differently because things mm, are slightly yeah, more under the true. gun. And also, we're back to that thing. We've got three guys here. There's more mouths to feed. We'll get there, but we want to do it almost at our own time, which is a little bit different than maybe some other media companies might build themselves. Should RGC run some ads on Cookie Jar? We should do. Happy we should to do that. Do you know what? Do you know, how much do you guys it? charge for an all ad? The, all the nebulous, like long, sort of like winded answer, the facts and matters. We're so lazy at it. We, you know we work, right? You don't need You've, the money. You, you, guys know, have you found our secrets. We work for a living. So yeah. we're so busy. So you try and do 30, 40 hours a week of yeah, Cookie you don't Jar. Do ads. And it's like, what do I want to spend my time doing? Chasing down a sponsor when actually it's like my little escape that I love. Or I'm like, 
oh hell, I've got James Day doing his Eclectic 18 and I want to hear about his Footjoy Classic collections and his yeah. bladed irons you and you just get fun. lost in that. So, Keep having fun. Yeah, and like I think eventually you get yeah. there. Just But also uh, go uh, download the fan blog. No, it's never right, sorry. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they well, said, well, when they come well, to the UK, they will always be give them an audience. Well, one time uh, Eric played about six minutes of the movie Taken during an ad break <laughs> and uh, I didn't know what to do with it. I left much more of it in than I thought it did. Did, that, did, the, did the client mind? The client didn't mind, and we get the you know you your retention graphs through like a Spotify podcaster. The retention graph went up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we well need to see those stats. Dude, we never Liam Neeson's a G. I, we don't. I, we I, never check. I, I don't so even G, know where retention graph Spotify, is. That, that's quite good analytics because you, you get hardly any. We never look at analytics. Do you guys look at your fucking scorecard when you're done playing golf? Not really. Not often. No. Awesome. I like match play. That's cool. I know if I've Did won or lost. So I know if a pod's a winner or loser. I'm not a big scorecard guy, but I am a big analytics guy. I want to know because here's the thing: for me, golf is not my first love. Right, it is a large love of my life, but for me, storytelling has always been a big love, and so podcasting was new to my life after filmmaking. But filmmaking, podcasting—they're all kind of interconnected, as I'm sure you've seen, Tom. Right, like you know, you're a much better filmmaker when you're good at podcasting. I think um, it's certainly—I've certainly helped my filmmaking. Yeah, I think the podcasting. I certainly like—I mean, Jojo, I don't know what you think, dude, but when you spend your life looking at images and how you're going to cut them up. And then suddenly you're looking at waveforms and w working out with those waveforms what you're going to do with them. And you need to learn to read them. Yeah. Like there's, you can see what people are doing and that's quite, quite an art. So I think it's made me a better filmmaker. Sure. But to go back, it, you may not look at the scorecards because you don't play your own ball over here very much. You play match play. But every hole you're like, I'm one up, you're one up, we're yeah. even. So that's what I mean by, you of know, course the you care. I want to know like, where I stand. Am I doing a good job? Yeah, so I, I think we Am do Am I that. beating this other thing? But what's weird is, that, you know, some metrics when you do this stuff, like you'll know, things like Instagram followers, it's great, but it's actually a pretty vacuous measure of what you're doing. So podcasting for me is the a real acid test of what's resonating. If it gets really high downloads, the chances are you're talking about something good. Yeah. Why? Because people, it's, it's long form. People are giving you 30 or 40 hours of their time. That's a hell of a lot of time for them to Your give to us. Your podcast is 30, 40 hours? So 30, 40 minutes. Sorry, my mistake. Okay. So they, like, or, or an hour, you know. I mean, you I thought, like, yours, you thought How yours do you have long. a job, first of all? <laughs> well, you've heard me speak. I can do that. But, but, you know, like they're giving you an hour or 45 minutes to listen to you talk, and they're engaged in that stuff. Whereas, you know, other things like Instagram, or whatever, they just flick through. So it's like, yeah. you know, for me, that's the acid test. And we want people that are properly engaged in this because golf is nuanced. It's yeah. not stuff that's just absolute and you can just smack a headline on it and go, there you go, job done. It's a subjective, it's nuanced. There's loads of stuff and it's all sort of intricate and stuff. And that's what we love about the game. But that's why the podcast is a great mechanism. And I think that's why golf pods are just so popular. People consume them at a rapid rate of knots now. Yeah. Because golf is like that onion, there's so many layers to get into. Yeah. And people like to find stuff that resonates. So you... Yeah, I, I don't know. We we obviously check our numbers, but we're not obsessed by them. Like you look at your analytics. You know, there's there's great films you've made. We did a great film recently, hundred years. Hagen, hundred years ago this year, Hagen won the Open Championship at Royal St George's. That was the first time a homebred American won. It was like historical day. It was a ball ache for you to make, wasn't it? Yeah, I was obsessed with doing else. it. Nobody watched it. Like it was mega low volume. Does yeah. that mean it was a bad film? No, it was an amazing film, and it was a real work of art by you, Tom. But it's pretty niche. It's very niche. And we always think niche prevails, but you know, sometimes if you want just clicks and stuff, yeah, you wouldn't make a film about yeah, Walter Yeah, I mean, it depends Hagen. on what you're making, you know yeah, what I mean? So like if you're making it for you, then it doesn't matter. Exactly. Whereas, you know, if we wanted stuff that got loads of views, yeah, you'd maybe do something slightly differently. But and you guys, what's the nicest thing someone like says to you about the work you've made? I think, it's, I think it's just nice. I mean, you, I still believe, you know, we've been going for two years and, we have metrics that tell us how many people watch our films and how many people listen to the podcast and things. But ultimately, I still believe that like no one's listening and no one cares. So every time you meet someone, they're like, oh, I yeah, I recognize your voice. I listen to the podcast. Like, I'm always a little bit flattered. I'm like, Christ, what have I got to say that you would be interested in, in listening to? But for some reason, you do. And it's, it's, to me, it's just really flattering when anyone says that they listen to the pod yeah. still. Or watch the films and it's not even so much like what you say, I think. It's kind of more like how you say it, too. Like, you know, because everyone there's no new ideas no right no is no, that all there's no I don't think there is. that you know you've got or we've got or anyone that you yeah. know that is going to tell you anything different now i mean how do you you guys have cars yeah how do you pick a gas station 
Yeah. Until my car's absolutely redlining, and then and then that's the one. No, but like, how do you choose? Do you care about where you go to buy your gasoline, your 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 petrol? You Does, go to get it anywhere. Surely, no one cares where they buy their petrol. I mean, do yeah. you? I, some people do. Why? I, I guess I do. Yeah. Do you? Do you, <laughs> Why? you actually? I this thought this was like. I thought this was a layer. Do you guys care? Simon Joseph. Really? Why? Why? You go to a specific petrol it, station. Yeah, I only go to one or two. Because what? Right. What? what Shell what's the difference? or Chevron. Oh, you, you do care, it by Simon? brand. You do care. Yeah. Do you care, JoJo? I, I would care for different reasons. He cares for different reasons. What does that mean? Like, for a while, like, I didn't like, like to buy it from BP. Why? Oh, BP because of the Mexico Golf? Because the Golf of Mexico. The oil spill? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good reason. Okay, well, that's, you that's a valid Shell reason. Shell or Chevron, just what? Like, like you'll quality, go to any like Shell or Chevron. Do you think you get better petrol? Nice. It is technically better. It's better quality. What, what do you buy, Simon? Chevron. You buy Chevron. Why? Because your dad told you to. Because his dad designed the Ford Mustang engine. That's why. Shut up. Because your fucking dad was like, don't buy anything that's but immense. Chevron. Because the, they use that gasoline to test the engine. That's why, right? Oh. Yeah, the one right by our houses. Yeah, we live right next to each other. So hang on. Right. Just, I'm going to throw a scenario out there. You're driving. Your car's telling you you've got like 30 miles left. And you go past a petrol station that you think, I, I don't know. I'll push like it. I'll see what it? I got. <laughs> you are nuts, man. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it before I just not... pull over. No, no, you don't want to. There's a lot of garbage gas in the United States, man. Maybe that's why ad reads just work so well in the States, though, Tom. Like, I don't know. Like, no, I've got brand loyalty, dude. There's no, exactly brand loyalty. There's a, there's a gas like, station by my house that has cheaper gas than the one that I go to, but I don't go to that one because I don't trust the gas. You don't trust it. Yeah, it's got it's lower octane, thing. bro. It's got more particulates. But if you See, analyzed right. it, you not put it go. in a vial and no, done no. your own analysis. Here we go. You as Americans, I trust. Are... I trust ad reads. You... <laughs> no, obviously, as Americans, you are being fed this information. No one has ever told I'm me. I'm eating it up too, to Tom. Texaco or Shell or BP. Texaco. That they're yeah. going to be Let's different go. things. Well, no one's no, ever told a, me that they would be different. There is. Well, we have. A, they, we have a difference. I think we're more of a driving culture. Maybe I don't know. Are we? Maybe we're going to find out soon. There's a Chevron ad read that you're going to have to do or something with oh. Shell. So that's where this is going. Yeah, I don't even and know by the way, the, uh, there is a nearest petrol station near here. It's a Shell. You should go there. Yeah, you should uh, Google it. There's a linkage with why you bought this up, I suspect. Uh, yeah, because I was just saying that like there's a bunch of ways to get the same thing. Yeah. And I was saying it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. And so it's kind of like, honestly, like, I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, typically speaking, when you want like a snack on a road trip, you know, a Chevron and a Shell, it's like a little bit nicer. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, I don't know. Okay. It's like nicer like a, like experience. Like food. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're there. Marks and Spencer's. Like some, some Marks and Spencer's. Marks Spencer's. Spencer's. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. The convenience nice store food. aspects is a part yeah, of it. Yeah. But I was just saying, like, even like Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, like, you know, they all do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I guess one of them has Dr. Dre and the other don't, but, you know. But it's like podcasts as well. It's a, you know, you'll know from hosting a lot of podcasts with guests that, you can have guests that have something really profound to say or some people that are really knowledgeable but aren't particularly good orators or don't tell it in a great way. Mm. And you can have people who talk about nothing but deliver it in a really compelling way. That's and actually the latter sometimes prevails because I think yeah. sometimes it's just about being a great communicator. I don't think we are particularly. No, but, I think we're useless. But, but you know, you luckily we've cobbled together an existence in it. But, you, but there yeah. are some people that are very, very compelling talkers when you get them on there. And you Tom Coyne, who's, who's your best guest so far? I don't know. You really up there. Tom's a really good talker. Tom's a good speaker. Mike Clayton delivers a message. Guests. Amazing. Yeah. So Yeah, because they can think about the wind. And they're specialists. So it's like you find somebody that likes golf but has a ridiculous understanding. Yeah. Niche in ones. Gio Valiante. Niche one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good Go call. Yeah. Golf yeah. psychologist. Where's he at? Uh, Liz still lives in Winter Park, I think. Uh, Florida? Yeah. That's so sick. Yeah. Dude, we, right, we need to get. Can you connect me with him? 100%. I would love to. I've had his name in the back of my head for 10 years. Oh, yeah, he's a sick pod. Amazing. Yeah, I'd love to talk to him. Is he Italian? Yeah, yeah he was yeah. a really good speaker. He, he was early doors, yeah. wasn't he? I remember yeah. you had to record that one because my wife went into labor with Charlie. Yeah. I tell you what, we'll do an ad read for Cookie Jar when I do the Geopod. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm going to um, fuck it up. I'll give you a Deal. discount code on TPEX. Okay, what's TPEX? TPEX. You put them in the ground and then you put your ball on top of them. Yeah. It's the little things over here. You guys just have so many weird words. TPEGs. What do you call them? You know, you put four unnecessary letters into that word. <laughs> a T is totally no. sufficient to no, gain three three unnecessary letters. No, no, no. A T is what you put on your back. Pegs. A T is what you put on your back. That's still plays. Semantics. Do you want a T? Do you want a TPEG? What's that? A T is what you put on your back. Yeah, on like your back? This is a T. T-shirt. Oh, that's, that's a polo. Well, well yeah, yeah, true. I agree, that's not a t -shirt. I agree with you. But okay. You, yeah. 
We can play this game. No, but you're right. I'm wide so awake. look, we'll give you a discount code on on T pegs, <laughs> and you know, the copy will the, be insane that you have to read. I love well. it. Yeah, give me the some good copy for yeah, the yeah, Valiente yeah. part. We'll, be, we'll, we'll get sick. Bruce to really flex his lexicon for that yeah. one. But there <laughs> yeah. are lexicon. some great people, and you look back at them, and you know, I remember. So here's a really random one we did, and this is exactly the sort of stuff which I think Cookie Jar is cool for, because it's an outlet, because it's not focused on you know massive high audience. It's about enriching to a really small audience you know, we really try and talk to you know people who are staunch passionists and you know absolutely into the game i i'm obsessed with this figure called babe zaharius yeah who was uh you, you might have heard Didrickson. about her right? yeah i know her so for the benefit of anyone who doesn't know much about it but you know she was an olympian multi-discipline athlete she was an incredible golfer she was married to a wrestler um, not to dissect your story but do you know how tall she was no. Okay, I don't either. I, th- I think she was. I think she was quite. You know, I she obviously she hit like the long way. Six or some shit. No, not that bad. But she, she's not that that tall. But she'd been like five eight, five nine, maybe. She married to this yeah. guy called Hard George. To tell. A lot of the photos of her are from a low angle. Yeah, she looks yeah, that's very a tall. Really good observation. Are we looking into it? That's a really good observation. Do you have a height? Babe Zaharias. Babe might be on the Wikipedia page on the height, yeah. but. She's got this amazing story and it's like, you'll know when you want to talk about something good, bring in a specialist because yeah. it just works better. So I Googled and there was this lady in uh, San Diego who's a professor in women's studies at the university and she specializes in loads of stuff to do with women's studies, but it wasn't necessarily golf and brought her on to do this podcast and she was the most eloquent talker about Babe and her career and it was an amazing pod and I was like, yeah, do you know what? I'm actually really proud of that. Yeah. And it's like you'd go outside of your comfort zone a little bit and it just, it works somehow. And it's like, that's the niche stuff that I love doing right. with Cookie Jar that I think works well. Would you I agree? I think Babe was about 5'7". I've had to guess. What do you think, You're obsessed with the height. I my, can't my believe it. My guy saw the hand signal from JoJo. 5'7", huh? That's shorter than I would have thought. No, I think... Sorry to just start it. No, but that's cool. Was, like, that was a niche But we did a few. Yeah. We did like, you did one with Sid Matthew about the legacy Sid of Matthew. Bob you know I slept at his house? Did you? No way. How was yeah. that? I mean, did he show you all that? Matthew, like he was we were like, dude, Sid, there's a podcast. Yeah, I slept in that room with all of the stuff. He show, he and you I'm couldn't get a tie picture. from him. You, how did you run out of ties? This guy must have thousands. I of them. met Sid Matthews long before Adventures in Golf was a thing. I went to He's Florida as well. Isn't yeah, he? Tallahassee. Where is he? Tallahassee. Fucking bum fuck nowhere, dude. Like <laughs> nowhere. We played this golf course that was 100 years old. It was like Arbor National or something. I don't know. It was like where he wore plus fours. Of course he did. Yeah, it was great. He was an interesting guy. He had a Lincoln Continental. Yeah. It was gold. He's an interesting cat. And he got uh, into it through like he was a lawyer and, or an attorney or whatever. And went I met his daughter. Bobby actually. Jones. Is, no his way. His daughter yes, works in geez. golf. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she works at um, Champions Retreat just she's outside of Augusta. She's quite active on Twitter. She's like, uh, yeah, yeah, she tweets a lot. Um, what if you had to, at the old course, for the 150th Open Championship. I've seen you doing this. There is a lot of inanimate objects. Which one would you be and why? And you oh, answer only at the old course, Christ. At the, during the Open. You've always wanted to be a bench, haven't you? I a have, bench? I, I, no. So, why have you, this is the thing that you've wanted to be for a while? Yeah. You know, you know when, I, when I go, when I die? Okay. I want to be a bench. Okay. You know? Like, you, you walk past... Is it maybe it's not a thing in America? So, you, here in the UK, many benches will have a plaque on it. Sure. Saying, in loving memory of... Oh, you want someone to commemorate a bench to Tom? I want to be a, a bench. That's what I want what to be. What would it say? I just say, just in loving memory, or sit here and and admire the view because Tom can't. <laughs> I want to be That's a bench. That's pretty funny. Is that passive aggressive? No, I really <laughs> want to be a bench. Like <laughs> when I go, I just I'd like to be a bench. Just I want I do want to be a tree. I don't even want to plant a tree in my name. I don't want that. No, just you're, you're officially against anything no. to do with climate change help. No. But yes, Sam, if you had to be an inanimate object at okay. the open, yeah, what would it be and why? I've given this no thoughts. So this is hard, but I'm. So the markers, the original course markers that go across the old course, those little stones that crop up through some of the early holes and, and through, and they've got those sort of astroturf green covers on. I would probably be the stone. I think it's quite nice because you'd be there for a long time. Of course, it's going to be here for thousands of they years. They were there before the course. Exactly. They're, 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 before. Um, yeah, the before the course. They, they were. Um, they're property markers that existed I before think, the golf course. I think when it was Pillmore Links, yeah, it was the out the outline of the original Pillmore Links. Yeah, before and they they've got it. those green covers on. But what I like is that everyone walks past, and very often you see them pull the green cover off and look at the stone and then pop it on. 
So if you're going to be there for that length of time, it's quite no, nice to know someone's just going to check in on you every so often. So I think it's like tuck you in. Before yeah, bed. I need. Like I'm a like a baby. people pleaser. I need contact with humans and stuff. So that would be quite exciting. Yeah, and I it's think. like an intimate level of contact. <laughs> yeah, people are like, like hello, like, and then I'm going to check on you. Yeah. Okay, bye. So did you get like you're kind of a? Are you an introvert? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the words I would use. <laughs> that was a brilliant answer. Um, any questions for me before we wrap it up? You go. Yeah. What well, well, inanimate object are you? Hang on. Oh. I, I'm not answering yet. Well, do I have to answer? Have I already answered? <laughs> do I have to answer this? We're potting live. Right, we don't edit podcasts here. Gotta... If I had to be an inanimate object at the Open, at the 150th Open in St. Andrews, oh, it's tough, man. It's um, night. You can't just put it on people. You've got to... Yeah, no, I know. Hard, I, mean, I like the pressure of that. It's fine. We got time. Um, I, I would probably be... That's tough, man. I would be... Uh, that's a tough one, man. I See, I was not aware I could take this long. I thought this had to be no, quick. I thought it was a quick fire. Oh, no, we did as Eclectic 18 yesterday. You can take as long as yeah, you yeah. want. Uh, yeah, you're like, my phone's good. I'm going to wait till your phone explodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got 20 seconds before the end of the real time. Yeah, um, we can we can chop it. I, I would be... <laughs> I would be a ticket because I think people would take me home after the event. Yeah, no, not an NFT, like a ticket. Like people sides, and then they forget about them. No, people frame them, man. They frame them, and they and they and they're a memento of like an experience. It's kind of like if you're a ticket, you're kind of like um, you're like a like a little picture of something that was very big for you. You know? Yeah. That's what I you be. are. You are the memento. You are the memory of. Yeah. That signifies that wonderful. Yeah, because you're have. the. Because at that point you become the memory of the tournament, which and is I, kind well, of sentimental. Yeah, but which sometimes is people put tickets for those things in like in downstairs bathrooms. How cool well, is yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, ticket? I would like to not be that ticket, but you know, I'd like, I'd like to be a ticket that's cherished by a father and son, my guy. How like cool something is that? important. You could frame that. Yeah. There you go. Like that. There you go. That's, that, a, that that's a cool ticket. What year is that from? That's, amateur, that's, the, that's this year's amateur final. That could have been See? a final from 150 years ago. Yeah. I love how the amateur game just hasn't been I done. stand by my answer. Brilliant. Ticket. Good stuff. Thank and you for having us on. Yeah, thank you yeah. for joining, guys. It's been that's great been hanging out with you guys. Yeah, I really appreciate it. We're going to we'll look for the Geo Valiente pod. Yeah. And go check out Cookie Jar. The Cookie Jar? Cookie Jar Golf. But we informally known as The Jar. The Jar. Um, Website, YouTube, Insta. Cool. Stuff. Check them out. Thanks for joining, guys. Yeah,